You're listening to a 58 Ember production. Hey, I'm Erica Muller, host of Here For It. Self-discovery is an endless journey, and each week I'm bringing on experts, industry leaders, and friends, where we'll be talking all things life, fashion and beauty, personal development, and probably some pop culture along the way as well. Here For It is your weekly space to get grounded, regroup, and be inspired to live your best life. Because really, we're all figuring it out as we go. And I'm here for you. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Hi guys, welcome back to Here For It. My name is Erica Muller. For anyone new around here, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. Happy almost Valentine's Day. In the spirit of self-love, I have Dr. Debbie Kung on the podcast this week and she is a board-certified acupuncturist and she knows all about Eastern medicine. And now you might be wondering, well, what does Eastern medicine have to do with self-love? And that's a great question. My personal opinion is that without our health, we have nothing. And I think the ultimate form of self-care and self-love is making sure we are healthy in mind, body, and spirit. And Dr. Kung's approach to health and wellness is rooted in Eastern medicine. She has a pretty incredible backstory as to how she got into Eastern medicine. It involves fashion, New York City, Diane von Furstenberg, and cancer. And it's a pretty incredible story that you will hear her tell in this episode. Um, And I personally love how Eastern medicine is rooted in prevention, which is something she speaks to quite a bit in this episode, why it's so important to treat the cause and not just the symptom of an issue. We also talk about acupuncture as a whole um, and the foundations of it and why it might be something you want to consider. Acupressure, which is something that you can do at home, cupping, pain management, again, overall preventative medicine. And one part that we talked about that I thought was pretty um, interesting to hear about was like the beauty impacts of Eastern medicine and acupuncture and sort of facial rejuvenation through these modalities. Um, One thing I was shocked to hear was that gua sha is just as effective as Botox. And she dives into that and why that is and why you might want to choose something like that over actually getting Botox. Um, This episode is just so full of tips and things that you can take home and implement in your own life. And if gua sha is something that you are currently doing or you're interested in it, she raises concern as to the widespread misinformation that is out there on the internet right now, on Instagram, on TikTok, um, that's just not teaching proper technique. And it's actually a matter of safety and doing it correctly or not. So she walks you through how to do it safely and properly at home if gua sha is something that you are interested in. One thing I wanted to know is the beginning of this episode, it's like roughly three minutes of the episode, there is like background noise. And we did everything we could to get rid of it. And I apologize. There was just no workaround and I didn't want to edit out her backstory. It's like the first three minutes of this conversation. And once you get past that, you will not hear it again for the rest of the episode. I apologize um, because I know things like that are really distracting and I do my best to like never have this be an issue. But unfortunately, this time it was just unavoidable. But I hope you can look past it and just see the gem that Dr. Kung is and all the information she gives and shares. Um, 
So with that, let's dive into some self-love, some self-care, and learning about Eastern medicine. I want to jump in with like, how did you get into Chinese medicine? Because I know you you had a different experience. You didn't grow up with it. Yeah. So, um, so I grew up in, um, well, let's, let's put it this way. I grew up in, because I'm a lot older than you, so <laughs> generationally it's a little bit different too, but I grew up in Southern Virginia where at the time there wasn't that much diversity. And so my parents, when they immigrated here from Taiwan, they actually wanted me to, wanted me, my brother and my sister to assimilate, right? It makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, they basically, and they thought they were doing what was in their minds at the time, the best things for us, which I totally understand. Um, so they stopped speaking Chinese to us at home, uh, you know, cause they wanted us to really learn the English language. Um, food wise, we still ate a lot of Chinese food, but other than that, that was it. Like we didn't really do that much cultural things. Um, and especially when it comes to medicine, we actually didn't practice any of it. But the, the thing I must say though, is that in Eastern culture and Chinese culture, the medicine is actually part of the lifestyle. So even though I'm saying that we haven't practiced the medicine, like say acupuncture or cupping or gua sha, um, those are some modalities of Chinese medicine. There is actual medicine in the food, just like every culture has that as well. So, you know, we did eat a lot of foods that do have a lot of medicinal properties that definitely helped with certain things. So I studied graphic design. I was an art major undergrad. And then I wanted to move out to LA with the rest of my friends after graduation because, you know, they were all in business and finance. So they landed jobs really easily, whereas I was an art major and that was a little bit tougher to find something that was sustainable. So I ended up throwing my resume up to New York and just was just applying everywhere. And um, my first job was at Nautica. Um, I don't know if you even know what that brand is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of dating me um, that I was a junior graphic designer. So that's how I fell into fashion. It's kind of, I kind of worked my way in through that angle. And it wasn't something that I had planned. I didn't have these like grand illusions of me killing it in the fashion industry. It wasn't anything like that. I was like 21 at the time, 22 at the time, and just trying to find a job. So <laughs> it just ended up taking me to New York. And then from there, I really started honing my skill as a designer and in marketing um, and worked my way up the ladder. So one of the last places I was at was at Diane Mumfersenberg. Um, I was at Ralph Lauren for a bit, but it was great because I was working under a very strong woman. Um, I was exposed to a lot of different amazing opportunities and a lot of amazing coworkers. And some of my old coworkers are still my best friends to this day. So it, it's, it was a great opportunity. Um, but how I fell into Chinese medicine is kind of interesting. So, you know, at that point in my life, I'm like, what, 26, 27, 28. And I'm doing really well in fashion and, you know, living the life. Um, but living the New York life, I should say, you know, when you're in your twenties, you're like going out and, you know, just doing this and that. And so, but for me, something was missing. It was like that one component that I sounds cheesy, but it just felt like I wasn't living my life to my fullest potential, but I wasn't sure what else it is that I should do. Mm-hmm. So um, I started getting really stressed out from work. And one of my coworkers, who's not Asian, was actually like, hey, you should try Chinese medicine. I heard it really works. You should try acupuncture. It helps to like um, decompress and de-stress and stuff. And at this point, I was just like, I'll do anything. Because, you know, I was kind of on my nightly regime of after work, having a glass of wine, which, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, holy crap, I did that all the time. Like, that's a lot for my liver. Um, And so for me, it was basically coming from a place where, okay, I'll try anything. I want to learn to de-stress and I don't have to rely on alcohol or any other outside component to help me de-stress, right? So um, I went to an acupuncturist in Chinatown and randomly found him, didn't know what to expect. 
I had the best sleep of my life to date that, that night. And it's really interesting because I, I didn't know what to expect. So it was also that like not having those expectations also kind of clean clears the slate for whatever's going to happen will happen. Mm-hmm. And I woke up the next morning and slept so well. I walked into work and, you know, people were like, wow, you, you look really well rested. Did you get a facial, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I just had acupuncture done. And it's crazy because now that I look back, I'm like one session really changed my life. I mean, that was like the epiphany. That was like something that went off, light bulb went off. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to do fashion anymore. I want to learn about acupuncture. I want to learn how it is that you put needles, which looks like it's so random in someone's body and they feel so much better. And also because it's part of my heritage, you know, I felt like there was a missing component of that just growing up and not really being denied my full heritage, but just not knowing any better. Um, So it kind of came full circle when I left New York in the fashion industry. And then I moved to Austin, Texas, where um, I studied acupuncture, got my master's in acupuncture and then opened up my practice. And so when I opened my practice about three months into opening like any new business, you know, you're like trying to make everything work and get patients to the door. Um, I started getting really sick and I didn't know what it was. And eventually I went to the doctor and they were like, you have cancer. So I had thyroid cancer. Um, and at this point there was definitely telltale signs. I was just so engrossed in other people's health that I didn't really pay attention to my own, which happens a lot in healthcare um, with a lot of practitioners um, mm-hmm. and with mommies too. And so, um, I basically, you know, the nodule was like an inch and a half. I mean, you could see it. Like when I swallow, there's like video of me where you can see it protrude out. It's not my Adam's apple. Yeah. Uh, but I was just so focused on, you know, helping other people that I wasn't really helping myself. And so that was a big problem, which later I learned to, um, do more of, but so I got sick and then ended up recovering. Thank goodness. Been in remission for five years now. Um, and so, uh, during that recovery time, it gave me a lot of downtime to really think of what it is I'm doing with my life. You know, for a while I was angry at the universe. Cause I was like, why is it here? I am, you know, trying to learn a medicine to help other people and I'm getting punished for it. Like I actually kind of reasoned to myself, like, why am I getting sick right now? This type of cancer doesn't run on either side of my family. Um, how is it that I have this? Why is it so aggressive? And, and so, um, you know, it gave me time to really think. And I, I promised myself that when I was a hundred percent better, I would return to the medicine, return to helping other people and, um, just give it my all. And so that's what I did, you know, after about a year of recovery, um, I, you know, moved back up to New York and opened my practice up there. And then fast forward to the years later, COVID hit last year. So I ended up moving my practice down to Austin, Texas, where I went to school, where I still have friends and I have some family here too. So that's kind of my whirlwind adventure of how I got into Chinese medicine. Um, but I find it's one of those medicines, which is so intriguing because the more you practice it, the more you're like, holy crap, I don't know anything about anything. It's yeah. a very humbling type of medicine. You know, um, I always tell my patients, be concerned if someone promises you something. Be concerned if you go to a doctor and they say, um, you know, this is, I'm the best I can do this for you because the human body is so intelligent. It, it really, just when you think, you know, more about it, I mean, we're still discovering things about the human body, mm-hmm. um, which is incredible. And Chinese medicine has been around for over, gosh, almost 4,000 years. So just keep that in mind. It's been around for a long time because it works. Um, and it's funny how to see how it, it, the dichotomy between Western medicine and Eastern medicine Western medicine is actually finally starting to acknowledge a lot of things that Eastern medicine has discovered many, many thousands of years ago. 
So it's really funny to see that just happen. Yeah. Yeah. I am curious, how did you approach treating your cancer? Did you go a Western route or an Indian? Well, yeah. So to answer that question, I went through a Western route only because it was so aggressive. I caught it at a time where had I waited longer, it would have gone systemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's my whole thing is that I, you know, when people ask about Western medicine, I'm like, there is a time and a place for it. I'm living proof. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think when it comes to certain things like body aches or headaches or something like that, if it's already diagnosed from a Western medicine doctor and they don't know what it is, that's where Eastern medicine can come in and fill in that gap. You know, a lot of times people come in to see me cause I'm kind of like their last minute resort or their last minute hope, which puts a lot of pressure on, you know, the medicine and on Chinese and on um, the doctor on people like me, but you know, I know it works. I'm living proof of it. I know that it can change your life if you allow it to. And just honestly realizing that this type of medicine is a healing medicine. It's a preventative medicine. So it helps you from becoming sicker or sick in the future. And it also helps to heal. So that's why I totally believe in it. I, it's inspired me and I've changed and dedicated my whole life to it at this point. Yeah. I love that. I want to talk about acupuncture because to that point, my first experience with acupuncture, I think I was 15 and I had sprained oh, wow. my ankle and I was a dancer. I was in a musical. I like had a performance the next night and they were like, I couldn't walk. And my mom took me to get acupuncture and I'm terrified of needles. And so I was like, <laughs> is this going to work? Like you're going to put needles right. in me and it's going to fix me. But I was desperate for being able to perform the next night. And I remember. Mm. For a sprained ankle, she put needles in my knee, in my toe, mm-hmm. and in my face. Mm-hmm. And I could walk perfectly the next day. And I was like, yeah, this happened. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, you know, it's funny because in, in acupuncture school, you know, there's the origins of acupuncture is actually a little murky because it's such a crazy medicine. It's so, it looks so simple, but it's actually very complicated and advanced. Um, to your story is an example. It's like, if you went to Western medicine doctor, they would probably just give you some painkillers and tell you to rest. Right. Um, but the body, if you know how to, to treat the body, the body will respond how we want it to. And that's why I love this medicine. When I was in school, I remember, like I said before, the origins of acupuncture are a little bit murky. I remember asking one of my professors, I was like, how did acupuncture get come about? What's the story behind it? And he was like, well, he's like, and he was very deadpan serious. And he was like, humans didn't, he's like, humans did not invent it. It came from aliens. We were all like, what? Like we were not expecting that answer. And he was like, yeah, he's like, yes, think about it. He goes, it's an intelligent medicine. We're not that smart. We can't figure that out. And when the more that you practice this medicine, the more that you realize, I realized that he was right because I know it sounds crazy. Um, There's no way that the humans were that smart. We can figure out this type of medicine. I mean, the way that Western medicine is now evolving into becoming a little bit more holistic, Mm -hmm. they're also showing and doing research that proves and, and, you know, I guess like tertiarily, not primarily that Chinese medicine actually works. It's, it's pretty nuts. Like the, the whole theory behind Chinese medicine, um, the yin and yang, the balance, um, it's pretty nuts. Like they were just talking about how fascia in the body helps to, um, redistribute emotions. And in Chinese medicine, we already knew that the fascia is actually a meridian we can, or an organ we considered called the San Jiao, S-A-N-J-I-A-O. It's the San Jiao meridian. And we already knew thousands of years ago that that's what it does. And one way to treat that is to stretch. 
because as you know, as an uh, athlete, um, you know that stretching really helps to release a lot of tension, mm-hmm. whether it's physical or emotional. So it's really interesting, um, the origins of it. No one really knows, but you know, I think it's pretty cool that it's been around for this long and it still works. And it seems to be having a resurgence, which is really nice um, because I think COVID really forced people to look at their healthcare and how they're taking care of themselves and how, you know, they want to go a more holistic route that they do have the power to take care of themselves that they can. That's why I love this medicine. It also helps to empower them. So Erica, one of the things that I like to do in my practice is I like to educate my patients. I like to tell them exactly what's going on, especially if there's, if it's their first time getting acupuncture done or getting a needle put in them. I will literally walk them through each needle. I'll be like, okay, so this needle I'm putting between your toes does this. It's going to feel like that. This is what you should expect. And, you know, having that information is power. And this is just telling, you know, educating them about their bodies. I mean, this is their body. That's the one thing we have in our life that's ours, right? Is Mm -hmm. our physical body. And so why not take care of it? And so it's been really interesting. My journey as I've been practicing medicine throughout these years, um, this Eastern Chinese medicine, um, it's really interesting to see how many people are starting to realize how well it works. And it's great that you had that experience when you were that young, because that's also very impressionable age too. You know, you're like, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I decide on. And it's great that it worked for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually super grateful for it because I also would take a lot of like Chinese herbs if I was sick Mm. or I had a very different experience, I think with medicine growing up than most people. I I would say so, at least in the West. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and now, and I agree with you that there's like a time and place for medicine, but I'm like Tylenol for me is like a last resort. What else (laughs) can I do first? (laughs) Yes, I'm with you on that. And and it's really interesting how, you know, as as modern day humans, we become so reliant on just popping a pill and expecting that to to sort itself out in our body. Mm-hmm. I mean, that in itself is kind of a crazy theory if you think about it. You know, like they say, there's no silver bullet. There's no magical pill. Um, everything has a consequence to it. And so that's why you see a lot of pharmaceutical companies when you've seen these commercials at the end, it's like a guy just, mm-hmm. and, you know, look out for these side effects. Um and it's, it's really interesting because in Chinese medicine, we do have side effects, but they're actually a good thing. So side effects of getting, say, your first treatment of acupuncture could be, you know, a better sense of well-being, um, less of a headache, better sleep that night, better digestion, more energy, clearer mental, um, clearer mental less mental fog, um, you know, things like that. And it's, it's just showing that our bodies are capable of doing that. Sometimes we just need that reminder and push. So I like to tell my patients, you know, if they think me fine, you know, that's for my ego, but in all seriousness, it's like, I really didn't do that much. I just reminded your body of what it already knows. Don't thank me. Thank your body for remembering Mm. and repairing itself, you know, and that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no negative side effect of getting acupuncture. So from what we know of, no, now it has, that's, um, caveats. That means that you have to have it applied properly mm-hmm. because you've probably heard of nightmare stories where people get punctured in the lungs and that's just not having proper needle technique. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only time you don't use acupuncture is when someone is diagnosed with active cancer. Acupuncture has a spreading effect in the body. And so you don't, the last thing you want cancer to do is to go systemic. Yeah. So when someone is diagnosed with cancer and it's active in the body, we do not treat through acupuncture. We treat through other modalities such as herbs. And stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So then what does acupuncture treat? Like, can you go for 
joint pain? Can you go for a broken arm? Can you go for eczema? <laughs> like, is it everything or is it limited? I mean, you know what? Back in the day, it was for everything because that was the only medicine <laughs> that was available out east. Um, you know, I think <laughs> like for your example, joint pain, injury, sports injuries, it's actually really good for. Now, when it comes to actual physical bones breaking, there are some pe- practitioners out there, not me, but there are some that can actually help that, that can help mend your bone through herbs and through acupuncture. There are certain acupuncture points on the channel, on your channels and in your body that help to stimulate bone marrow growth, to help to stimulate red blood cell count, red, mm-hmm. red blood cell reproduction. Um, and so, and to help stimulate the immune system too. So, you know, the long, the short answer is yes. Acupuncture is great for basically everything. Now, the long answer is more like, well, you know, realistically, what do people go to see an acupuncturist for? If you break, like, it's a, if I break my arm, I'm not going to go see an acupuncturist. I'm going to go to the ER, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of using that kind of judgment. Um, but, you know, in places like in China, especially, there's rural parts where that's all they have right now. So that's all they use, and it, it still works. <laughs> um, Western medicine is definitely built for convenience, you know, and that's, that's totally understandable. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. also built for, you know, slight instant gratification. And that's the thing that I like, but I don't like, because, you know, nowadays we just want everything to be instant, whether it's, you know, posting something online or getting an answer right away for whatever, but our bodies don't work that way. And we tend to forget that our bodies work on its own immune system, its own clock, its own circadian rhythm. So to force your body to heal itself of something that you take a pill for, it doesn't necessarily mean it's doing that. Um, it's probably masking the symptoms, you know, and in Chinese medicine, what's so great about it too, and why it's so effective is that not only does it treat the symptoms that you're coming in for, like headaches, tiredness, whatnot, but it's treating the root cause. So it's addressing both. And even in your experience where when you were dancing and you injured yourself and you went and got acupuncture done and it basically put you back to hundred um, percent, you know, whoever you went to go see knew enough wherewithal that, Hey, not only am I addressing this temporary injury, but I'm also reinforcing the chi and the blood, the yin and the yang, so that she will continue to be able to dance, you know, full force with all her energy and be able to be functional. So it's really interesting. Um, the whole dynamics of Chinese medicine, it's simple, but it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you talk about like the meridians and the chi in your body for anyone who might not know about it? Sure. Absolutely. So these these terms are being thrown around and they sound complicated, but they're really not. Chi is just energy. It's just the life force in the body that every single living thing has, whether it's a blade of grass, uh, your dog or yourself. And so, um, you know, this chi likes to work on a highway system in the body. Um, and it goes through the body. This highway system is called meridians. And meridians are just open channels going through the body that help support the chi so it can move everywhere and give you life, give you energy. And so every meridian is actually attached to an organ. So in Chinese medicine, we do something called organ organ pattern diagnosis, which basically means instead of looking in your at your circulatory system or your respiratory system, we actually look at your individual organs and how they all play an important role and how they all work together. So for example, say your liver, your liver in Chinese medicine has a lot to do with reproduction, has a lot to do with um, making blood and cleansing blood, just like in Western medicine. And it has a lot to do with addressing stress. Every organ has an emotion attached to it. And the emotion attached to the liver is stress. That's why when people drink, it 
physically relaxes the liver. It makes them feel better. They feel less stressed. Um, and so the liver has a certain meridian, a certain highway pathway that it runs through the body and it goes all throughout the body. It doesn't just stay in one place like what we think of in Western medicine. It actually encompasses everything, hence the whole idea of holistic medicine. And so what happens is anytime you have any injury or ailment or disease, it, it usually is related to one or two or even three organs. And when these organs, for whatever reason, get blocked or uh, have issues along that meridian, that energy highway, that's when ailments start happening. You know, that's when diseases start happening. And so what acupuncture does is these needles kind of, they're like traffic cops. They go into where the places are congested, where the chi can't move through, where it's blocked or it's like deficient with what we say, where it's lacking thereof. It helps to reinforce the chi, energizes the chi, pushes the chi through so it can do its own system again. So it can bring all the nourishment and chi and energy to all parts of our body so that we're well-balanced and we're healthy. And um, so the needles act like traffic cops. They go in and they clear out the congestion so that the chi can flow again smoothly. And the whole idea of Eastern medicine and why it works so well is all about balance. They say, there's a saying that says, when chi flows smoothly, there are no sickness. There are no issues. There are no ailments. And so that's the, the basic idea of why acupuncture works. And it's really interesting as someone that maybe hasn't had acupuncture done that's watching this is like, well, that still doesn't make sense. I would encourage you to actually go to your local licensed acupuncturist and give it a shot because I think you'd be pleasantly surprised how well your body is receptive to it. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about acupressure too because I think and I could have the wrong understanding about this, but isn't acupressure where you can essentially kind of do the same thing on your own without needles? Absolutely. So you're right about that. It basically is what that is, is um, they're all based over acupuncture points. Acupressure has a time and a place for treatment, and it's great because it empowers you to be able to do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, acupuncture works on more on a deeper level. Okay. So depending on how severe your symptoms are, are the ailments or the, you know, whatever disease you have, yes, you can do acupressure at home and it does help alleviate symptoms, but to get to the nitty gritty of it, I would highly recommend acupuncture because what happens beneath, I'm sorry, excuse me, what happens beneath the surface of the skin, the muscular, the cellular tissue, all that is mm -hmm. where the chi lies, right? And so we really want to be able to tap into that chi to get things going again. So okay. that's one of the reasons. So acupressure, yes, it works. Um, it's more or less for things that are not as um, severe. Mm -hmm. But if you are dealing with severe issues, then yes, definitely go see your local acupuncturist. Yeah. Okay. And then what about cupping? Cupping is also something that so, you do. Yes. So cupping is considered an Asian modality, but it also has been around and found in different cultures all over the world for thousands of years. So the idea of cupping, for those of you guys watching or listening, um, you've probably seen it or have experienced it where it looks like dark circles, it looks like you got attacked by an octopus. <laughs> and what it is, is it's basically allowing, so, you know, before we talked about um, how fascia is in the body. And mm -hmm. it, so fascia, going back, so I'm gonna explain how acupuncture works from a Western medicine standpoint. Okay. So, <clears throat> When as we age or if we're stressed, whether through physical or emotional stress, the fascia is that sheath-like, web-like collagen covering that covers all of our muscle layers. And what it does is it gives our muscles shape, <clears throat> excuse me, and it helps to protect the muscles and also allows nutrients from the blood to go in and out of the muscles. That's why if you've ever seen surgery done or if you've ever 
had been cut open or anything, you'll notice that you're not necessarily, once you hit an artery, you're not bleeding out because every, the fascia also encompasses its own um, blood vessels, its own system of that. So that's why your body's very smart. It knows in case you get injured, if it's not going to bleed out, right? Mm. So um, basically what it does is it floats above the muscle and when you're young, it's very supple. It likes to float. And so there's space in between where blood flow can go through, where nourishment can happen. As we get older, or if we're undergoing stress or trauma, it tends to stick. So it sticks to the muscle, not allowing the muscle to be as flexible. Okay. And what that does is it causes a couple issues. It causes cheese stagnation, blood stagnation. It also causes, uh, causes, you know, sore muscles or tight muscles, um, and in some points, some ish, instances, it can cause pain. So uh, what cupping does is it actually goes to, it uses a negative pressure, right? Negative, negative um, pressure when you use a cup or if you do uh, fire cupping. And it, you place it on top of the areas that are affected. You Typically over fleshy areas, you don't really want to do it over bone. You want to mm-hmm. do it over muscle. And it's allow, it pretty much uh, sets the skin up so it allows the fascia to be released from the muscle. And that does a couple of things. Number one, in Chinese medicine, we also look at hot and cold as trying to be balanced in the body. You want, mm-hmm. you want to be balanced in temperature wise. And a lot of times when we have injuries or emotions that are repressed or stuck, um, it turns into heat in the body. So cupping actually helps to release heat from the body. Okay. Number two, it helps with uh, microcirculation of the body. So anytime we have any kind of soreness or tightness or any kind of issues going on, it's typically because we're not getting enough proper blood flow in general, blood and chi flow to that area. So it helps to release that stagnation, helps to release it so that blood and chi flow can go to that area properly. Um, number three, it also feels good. <laughs> um, it helps to physically relax the fascia and the muscle. So your muscles will feel less tense. It re- relaxes the muscle fibers in the muscle. So when you're, um, depending on what kind of cupping you get done, whether it's stationary cupping, which is where the cups just lay on your back, or if it's cupping where you move it around, um, that can also determine uh, what's being addressed, but it can also help with any kind of muscular issues. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that it does. It's really good for um, preventative, actually. So people get it done um, uh, the season before allergy season, the season before cold season. It was looked at as a preventative. And something that it's just instilled and ingrained in Asian culture so that, you know, here in the West, it's like, wow, this is cool. What is this? In the East, it's like, you grew up with that. Mm-hmm. My household actually did not, but I was very familiar because I had, I knew other people that would get it done all the time and it's not painful. Um, it shouldn't be painful. If it's painful, then they're probably, um, especially if it's using those pump cups, it's probably uh, administered not wrong. I mean, excuse me, not correctly. So you have to be careful who you go see. Um, to get cupping done, you're not supposed to let the cup stay on for longer than five minutes. And that's a big, because you can actually do more damage than good, uh, than harm. Uh, then yeah. So you can actually, because if you allow that kind of pressure in the body, your body will recognize it as trauma. So when you get your cupping done, whether it be through a massage therapist or through your acupuncturist, um, it's really important that they're educated and they know that. I don't think they teach that in massage therapy school. Um, I've had some patients come in that have had severe cupping where it actually did damage on them. And I told them, I was like, you should not go to this person anymore because they actually messed up your, your body. <laughs> How do you know if somebody is properly trained or not? How do you well, find you someone? ask them a, a basic entry level question is, okay, how long have you been doing this for? And also what do the marks mean? If they don't understand it, they can't give you a simplified answer of what the marks mean, because 
you know, ideally people, you see people walking around with the cupping marks and mm -hmm. they wear it proudly. You're not really supposed to have marks if you're healthy. <laughs> You'll have a little oh. bit of marks, but they shouldn't be that dark. Mm -hmm. So I'm in yoga class. I see the person in front of me on their mat and they're like completely black and blue. It's like, I can tell number one, that, that whoever that did their cupping over did it. And number two, that there's a lot of different issues going on because the actual cupping mark, ideally it's supposed to be uniform in color, but if you actually look at it, most cupping marks are not, they have little specks of different colors and that mm -hmm. usually can indicate a couple things. Um, pharmaceutical drugs, recreational drugs, um, a lot of too much alcohol in the body that's still kind of in there. Um, heat toxicity, which is a way to diagnose in Chinese medicine, um, deficiency, blood deficiency, which is a one way to diagnose in Chinese medicine. So being able to actually read the marks and giving that feedback back to the patient, especially where they're it's placed on the body. So for example, if someone is, if you place a cup right on the shoulder blade, depending on which side, and it's very, very dark, then that will tell me that their small intestine channels clogged, their small intestine channels stagnant, something needs to be done. And the reason I know this is because the small intestine, the organ, its channel, its meridian runs through the whole shoulder blade. And mm -hmm. so it's like, if you have that education and you know, you can share that with your patient and be like, Hey, these are the adjustments you need to make. Okay. So that's why it's really important to go to see someone. I would highly suggest those listening and, and watching this to actually go to a licensed acupuncturist because mm -hmm. that's where you'll get the exact treatment that you need. No more, no, no less, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's one of those things where they can explain to you what they see to help better you because at the end of the day, yeah, you can go get cupping anywhere and yeah, you'll probably feel better right after, but then what, how long, you know, and then it's, there's also these do's and don'ts, like you're not supposed to be directly in the sun after cupping. Um, you're not supposed to, you know, get into a hot sauna after cupping. There's all these things, these rules that no one really talks about. And so mm -hmm. it's really important to know to take care of your body after you get a treatment like that done. Wow. That's, and also how. Yeah, and also how fast the cupping marks heal. That feedback tells me how the patient's immune system is. So even if they look healthy, but those marks are on there two weeks later, I'm like, okay, we need to really boost your 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 energy, your chi. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. So interesting. Yeah. You can tell so much from the body, but like we don't we don't know. Well, I mean, right. you just you do because you went to school for this <laughs> and like you do right. it. But right. I would never but, know, you know that. Exactly. And, you know, it's one of those things where the body's always giving us hints and telling us things. We just have to know what to look for. For example, I can look at your earlobe and tell if you have high blood pressure, if you have tinnitus. I can look at your ear, your actual ear, and tell if you have back pain without even asking, without even seeing if you just showed me a picture of someone's ear. I mean, it's that's that's the thing. It's like your body's constantly telling you, giving these little clues as to, Hey, there's something going on. There's something going on. And it's showing up in places. And what's really sad about it is that modern day culture and even Western culture has really, you know, taken away from really paying more attention to the body. Mm -hmm. Right. We're more or less paying attention to what we wear or how we look and what our body's telling us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, you know, things kind of go south because it's, it's just like listening to your body and getting back in touch. And, and, you know, that in itself takes time to really learn how to listen to your body and what your body's telling you. Mm -hmm. And then once you know, then go seek treatment for it. So it's, it's really, you know, it's a very, it's a process, but it's yeah. something that anyone can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. You posted a series of stories the other day on Instagram about machine gun Kelly's. Oh, <laughs> yes. and I thought that was 
fascinating that you can tell yeah. all the different things from the tongue, but also that you used him as an example because his tongue is dyed black and you could still right. see what was happening. You could still see what was happening. I mean, it's funny, like celebrities like Miley Cyrus, who always you know for sticking her tongue out, I always am like, wow, there's a lot going on with that woman <laughs> besides that. But you know, the, the tongue is also a very, one important tool that we use to diagnose the body, you know, and it's, um, the tongue is actually considered a microcosm of our entire body. So the tip of the tongue is like our heart and our lungs. The sides are our liver and our gallbladder. The middle is our digestive tract. And the, the root of the tongue is um, our reproductive area. So just by looking at the tongue, I can tell there's a couple things going on, even if, say, you don't realize it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's what's really nice about acupuncture is that when you put a needle somewhere, it has multiple purposes and uses. It doesn't just treat that one area, that localized area, but also depending on where it is, where on the meridian and how it's inserted, um, it can treat various things that the patient may not realize that they're suffering from. And that's why they feel better just overall because, you know, they're probably either used to living with this pain or this kind of condition, um, or they didn't realize that they could feel better. So yeah, yeah it's a beautiful medicine. I absolutely love it. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about more of like the beauty aspect that I think a lot of us see in regards to Chinese medicine, you know, like gua sha has become very much a trend, although I know it's, it was, it's been around for a while, you know, but I think we're seeing more and more of it now. And I know you can do, um, acupuncture for like facial rejuvenation and wrinkles and all that stuff. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, facial gua sha, which many of you guys probably are semi-familiar with, is becoming a beauty trend. Um, it's basically, you've probably seen this online, but it's taking a flat piece of stone and applying it looking like, it looks like you're just gliding it on the face, on your skin. Um, but facial gua sha and gua sha in general, um, the history of it is really incredible. So the word gua sha, G-U-A-S-H-A, means to raise a rash and to scrape and raise a rash, which, yes, sounds very aggressive. Um, gua sha was originally intended for the body. So what you would basically do is you'd put a little bit of oil on, on the areas that you're going to gua sha, and you would take anything with a flat, smooth surface. So back in the day, it was used, uh, you could use a soup spoon or a side of a coin or anything with a flat, smooth surface. Um, it's really interesting because, you know, this used to be like folk medicine. Like this is what was handed down. This was in Asian culture. Everyone just knew to do it. If you were having a sore tight, you know, neck, or if you had a cold or a cough or allergies, gua sha is really great for that. So the idea of gua sha is applying that smooth, flat surface onto your skin surface and applying even pressured strokes in one direction multiple times until you raise a rash. And it looks like road rash, which is not the prettiest thing, but it doesn't hurt. It actually feels good. And the technical term of this red rash is called petechia. And basically what petechia is, it's broken blood vessels, it's um, heat toxins. So it's stuff that's been in that area of your skin or your, or your muscle layer that's been sitting there and causing issues such as soreness, tightness, um, swollenness. And so it really helps to relieve that area of, you know, heat, which, which we talked about before, uh, heat toxins. Um, it also helps with the cellular uh, process of replenishing, getting rid of cellular waste and replenishing it, replenishing cells with blood and nutrients. And it also helps with lymphatic drainage. So lymph nodes are really interesting. Lymph nodes, 
so the word lymph is actually a type of clear fluid that floats around the body. We make up to 20 gallons a day. It's pretty nuts. Wow. Uh, I'm sorry, not 20 gallons, 20 oh, liters. I was like, that's a whole lot. <laughs> I know, 20 gallons is a lot. Wow, that would be a lot of lymph. Um, we make up to 20 liters a day. Okay. Um, and so some of the lymph organs, which we're probably not familiar with, are, is bone marrow or the spleen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lymph nodes we know because it usually is a place that swells when we're sick. And that usually tells us what's going on in the body. It's your body's way of being like, hey, I'm here to fight off an infection. Um, and so with acupuncture, with gua sha, with cupping, it all helps with lymphatic drainage. And why gua sha works really well on the body and on the face is because every time you're applying pressure to the skin, you're also activating certain channels on the face and on the body. Remember we talked about, or certain meridians, I should say, we talked about acupuncture points, it being all, there's over 361 acupuncture points located all over the body. And so, and they're kind of sporadic. You can find them through anatomical landmarks. You can find them through certain measurements, but they're all over the body. Everyone has them. And so it's really incredible to see that even if you're say, just gua your arm or gua your cheek, that that will impact other parts in your body. So it's, it's pretty nuts. Um, the face has the most amount of lymph nodes. The face and the neck have over 500 lymph nodes. And what happens is when we, touch your face or we massage it or we do anything to it where you're bringing in adding pressure, you're actually inadvertently activating those channels, those meridians. So for example, people that have um, digestive issues, it shows up on the face uh, through certain ways, through certain markings, through certain um, colors, um, even if it's swollen in certain places. So it's really interesting. The face tells all. It basically, the face itself is a microcosm of your entire body. You've probably seen one of those face maps where it shows like the chin and the cheek represent mm-hmm. the rep- uh, reproductive and, you know, the, the side of the cheeks represent your lungs. And so it's really interesting if you know how to read the face and you know how to address it. So facial gua sha and gua sha have been around since the paleolithic age. They've been around forever. And it's one of those things that, you know, it works. It's something that anyone can do. You just need, like I said, a flute uh smooth, flat surface and some kind of lubricant on the skin so it doesn't rub it too raw. And what you're doing is when you're applying this even pressure strokes to that area you're addressing, such as your neck, you know, you wake up with a stiff neck and you can do this, you'll have instant uh, looseness. So one of the really popular things about gua sha is that it does give you instant gratification, I will Mm -hmm. say. You can instantly tell that there's things that are being loosened up and you'll feel a lot better. It also helps with blood flow and chi flow to that area. So um, gua sha has so many usages. You know, once again, it's also seen as preventative. It's done for people that have asthma or colds. You can do it on the back of the lungs, on the back, upper back, and it can treat you for that instantaneously, whether you're suffering from it or you're trying to prevent it. So it's a great way just to get the body going because once again, you know, as with modern day society, we're constantly not moving as much as we used to. And so things, when things sit and settle, things get stuck. Mm -hmm. And so that's why people are emphasizing exercise and movement more. But another thing I emphasize too is, you know, doing microcirculations. Microcirculations are just circulations in small parts of your body that really make a big difference. Um, Gua sha, there's been research coming out of Harvard that shows that it can actually address something called hemooxygenase 1. HO1, which is basically a, a type of um, a cell that helps with um, inflammation in the body. So it's known as to also help with anti-inflammatory effects of the body. 
Um, there's a study coming out of Germany that also shows in, in China that shows that they actually use gua sha on the body to treat chronic hepatitis C. Really? Yeah. There are studies that show, I mean, listen, we think we know the human body. We know nothing. I'm we need the aliens to come back. We need the aliens to explain more to us. They're hovering around right now. I mean, there's, it's been in the news, but they haven't really communicated the other parts to us. But it's pretty crazy. The body is so incredible. It's so incredible, you know, and it's like, we don't give it enough credit. We don't realize, hey, you just need that push in that right direction. Your body's like, oh yeah, I remember, I can do this. And so gua sha is one of those other things. Facial gua sha has become very popular because um, it's looked as a beauty regimen because obviously it addresses the face. Um, but it also helps with microcirculation of the skin, which is huge, right? So when your skin has microcirculation, cells get nourished, waste gets taken away, there is proper blood flow, you have a better, brighter, glowier complexion, you don't have issues like skin issues or skin conditions, and you just have more of a lifted, sculpted look. So, so facial gua sha is seen as the natural Botox. It's not as long lasting, but it works just as well. And this is why. So Botox, as you guys are probably familiar with, helps to freeze muscles in the face. Freezing those muscles will also freeze the ability for the skin above it to move, hence why it looks like the wrinkles are going away, but they're really not. It's just your muscle being frozen by botulism, by a poison that eventually will cause muscle atrophy if you keep getting it done. For those of you guys that have done Botox, you probably know you have to keep going back often and you go back and you have to get more Botox units done, which is how they measure how much Botox they put in you. So what happens is the reason why Botox works so well is because it relaxes the muscles. So when your muscles in your face are relaxed, you look more lifted. Think of coming back from a vacation or when your days when you're relaxed, coming from the spa or whatever, you just look more lifted or after waking up from a nap, your face looks probably brighter, lifted. It's the same effect as mm -hmm. what Botox is doing, um, except it's forcing its way in through a poison. <laughs> Now, with facial gua sha, what it does is it does the same thing. It mimics the effects of Botox, but in a more natural and in a safe way. And also, it does more than just lift the face and give you that complexion and give you that look that you want. It addresses everything else going on in the body. Mm. So, for example, when you see people doing gua sha on their face, you know, a lot of people are doing it, which I think is great. It's a beautiful modality to treat your skin and to treat yourself. However, if you don't know what you're doing necessarily, it actually, your body's always telling you what's going on. You could actually miss a couple of key symptoms. Mm -hmm. So if say I'm going around the jaw and my jaw is really tight around here, depending if you're tight here in the jaw or here, this could indicate a couple things. Obviously here closer to the jaw might be TMJ. Around here closer to the mouth could be stomach issues. I mean, there's things that if you know what to look for as a practitioner of Chinese medicine, as a doctor of Eastern medicine, it is so important to be able to pick up these cues, especially when you're treating a patient or when I'm teaching a workshop on facial gua sha or when I'm going one-on-one -on -one with a person on facial gua sha or telemedicine. It is so important because these clues could actually help you catch something else that might be more big, right? Mm -hmm. So um, gua sha is really important to have it done properly. The general rule of thumb for gua sha is that you want to go slow and you want to go light with pressure when you're beginning. Um, facial gua sha is really interesting. I taught a, a workshop in facial gua sha out in Taipei in Taiwan almost three years ago. So it was only three years ago, very recent. And when I went out there, no one there knew what it was. They knew what gua sha was, but they didn't know what facial gua sha is because 
remember what we talked about gua sha in general, it looks like it's very aggressive, but it's mm-hmm. not. And you want to raise that rash. You want to get that petechia. You want to get those red kind of like dots that look like broken blood vessels because that's what's really going to help release things in the body. And then your body can repair itself faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so that whole theory of trying to apply it to the face is definitely not the same theory. The face is the fastest place to heal in your body. And every time you get a cut or have a pimple or whatever, it heals faster than it would if you have it on your body. And so there's a lot of blood vessels, everything's going to the brain. Also, all of the important organs, the meridians, the, the energy chi flow that's flowing through it goes through the face. So there's a couple of things to keep in mind. The face is the fastest place to heal. The face is the most responsive. The face has the most amount of chi and blood going through it, but the face also has the most delicate skin on the body. So this is where it gets kind of tricky, where when people ask what it is, how they should do it and what they should do, it's really individualized. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there on social media right now that is really scary because a lot of it could, could do more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the people that are showing the videos are much younger and their skin has more elasticity. So say it's different for them if they're 25 doing it than for someone that's 50. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you have sensitive skin, you know, there's a way in, oh, to go about it. So also having proper techniques to how to use it, which we can go into later, but yes, um, facial gua sha, it really does work. It's something that I would recommend everyone try at least once in their life. Um, and you'll find that it, it can help you in so many ways, even if it's for more for aesthetic appeal, you know, like some days I wake up and my eyes are fluffy and, mm-hmm. or I feel like my face is bloated, then I'll use gua sha and it helps slim it down. And then, and also because of its medicinal effects helps to clear out brain fog. So it's a great thing to do when you're about to wake up or when you're out of bed in the morning, if you feel a little groggy mm-hmm. and it helps to energize. So anytime you're feeling sad, you know, it's not really um, intuitive to reach for gua sha when you're sad, but it's really because a lot of the, the strokes and the movements uplifting. So it literally uplifts your, your mm. spirit too and your emotions. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. So then for the body, can you use the same tool for your face as your body? You can. Absolutely. Um, body tools are actually made to be bigger because it's just mm-hmm. easier to cover more large areas, but yeah, you can absolutely use the face, the tool for the face and body. Um, and you can use the body tool for the face as well. It's just that the ones that are specifically made for the face are more contoured. So they're easier to get around. Cause you know, the human body doesn't have any straight lines. There's no straight lines in the human mm-hmm. body, especially in the face. So you want to go with something that's a little bit made more catered towards that. Um, but it really is personal preference, you know, gua sha is affordable. Everyone should be able to do it. Anyone can do it. So that's what I love about uh, this modality in general. Cause I know sometimes acupuncture is not affordable or someone can't get to the acupuncturist. Mm-hmm. Um, but gua sha is something you can do at home and you can, it's, it's empowering. It's a way, self-empowering way to take care of yourself. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about acupuncture then for kind of the same purposes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> So acupuncture is, was traditionally also made for the body. Um, it helps to activate those certain acupuncture points on your body that helps to relieve chi and blood and gets everything moving and gets you feeling better. And they found that facial cosmetic acupuncture started in the Ming dynasty. So Ming dynasty was like, you know, a couple hundred years ago, but, uh, basically what the emperor would do is he had a bunch of concubines and he wanted to keep them looking fresh, <laughs> young and youthful. <laughs> and so he commanded that all the concubines, instead of getting acupuncture on their body, they would also get it on their face. And the results were astounding. Um, 
and this is when they also discovered there's, you know, so much energy and blood flow going to the face. So of course your face is going to respond faster. Of course you'll probably notice more of a difference. Um, so the way that acupuncture works in the face is that we use a different size needle. We use smaller needles than we do on the body, of course. And it's basically like every time we insert a needle, it's like mimicking a cut. So think of it when you have a cut on your face, um, you know, basically when the skin's broken, there's white blood cells, red blood cells going there to try to repair itself. Collagen gets sent there to um, try to repair itself. And so basically we're manipulating your skin's way of repairing itself by stimulating it through needles. And so um, it's similar to microneedling, except microneedling doesn't go far in. And microneedling does not address certain acupuncture points in the body. It can actually do, it can actually stimulate more of a response. Mm. Um, and so with acupuncture on the face, with cosmetic acupuncture, you know, you're using this to kind of manipulate the skin's skin cycle. So our skin cycle lasts from anywhere from 28 days to 40 days, depending on how old you are, your lifestyle, all that. The skin always re renews itself during that cycle. And so when you get cosmetic acupuncture done, what we do is we keep that cycle in mind and we have you come in for at least 28 days, at least, where you come in twice a week for five weeks or so. And that's because we want to manipulate your skin and cycle during that time so that by the next cycle, your skin and body will be like, oh yeah, I remember what I need to do. This is what I'm going to do to help keep up this look. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of things that acupuncture on the face can help you know, in general, it can help with fine lines, wrinkles, discoloration, hyperpigmentation, scars. Um, it also can help lift connective tissue in a way. So a main reason why people want to focus on the face too is as we age, um, there's four main factors as to why our faces look old. One of them is loss of bone. One of them is loss of muscle, loss of fat, and loss of connective tissue. And those are things you can kind of replenish through like collagen supplements. But overall, unless you're getting like <laughs> reconstructive surgery, you can't really stop the clock. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, that being said, what acupuncture does is it goes in and that only helps with the surface level of the tissues and condition of it. So there's more blood flow to the face and there's more blood flow to the face. The skin looks better. It just is. It's much healthier. It's much younger. Um, it helps with the underlying tissue and connective tissue underneath. Acupuncture has also been proven to stimulate bone growth bone um, growing and bone, um, but it helps to stimulate bone growth. And so um, it does a couple of things where, you know, there have been very extreme cases where someone's come in and it can turn back the clock as, as much as 10 years naturally. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Depending on how they take care of themselves outside of the office. So mm -hmm. here's the thing. There's this myth out there that says, you know, you age according to your genes and it's been proven over and over again that it's not true. Genetics only make up about 20% of how you age. Mm -hmm. Or I'm sorry, 25% about how you age. So that's still that's like a quarter. Nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. 75% of how we age is our lifestyle, how we're living, what we're thinking, what we're eating, how what we're doing, how we're sleeping, all these things. And so it's really important to know that we have that responsibility to take care of ourselves. Um, I think it was Coco Chanel that said. You're given the face you have at 25 at the face you have at 50 is what you've earned or something like that, which I mm. love. I, I'm probably slaughtering that quote, but it's something similar to that. And it's just so, so true. You know, um, I turned 42 in March. And so for me, it's like, I'm really starting to see some signs just like everyone else is getting older, but I know there's things I can do to not necessarily turn back the clock, but to help my body so that it doesn't age as fast because we're all aging. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's so many aesthetic benefits to cosmetic acupuncture, to facial rejuvenation. There's so many um, medical benefits to it. 
Um, and when you come and see me for that, what I do is not only do I put needles in the face to where it needs to be addressed, but also all over the body because it gets things going. Mm-hmm. And um, it's great. I mean, you know, a lot of my patients that come in for facial rejuvenation inadvertently lose weight, not on purpose. They don't change anything in their lifestyle in terms of movement or eating patterns, but they lose weight because their body is just more efficient at using the chi in the blood to get the metabolism going, to get the water metabolism going. They just have more energy. So mm-hmm. it's, it's wonderful. It's like a, you know, it's a win-win. Um, I would say there are some contraindications for facial rejuvenation. Mm-hmm. One of them is if you're pregnant, because there's so many chi and blood, so much chi and blood and needles going to your face that it takes away from the womb. So you mm-hmm. want to wait till after you give birth and then we can go all out, all out on the face. Um, also, if you have certain types of cancer, which mm-hmm. I said before, it's a spreading effect. And if you have any kind of like blood, um, blood bleeding disorders, um, that can also uh, not be in your favor. It can still work, but you won't get the results that you probably are hoping to get. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Are those the main two things for like facial rejuvenation is the acupuncture and gua sha? Um, you can also do facial cupping. Facial cupping, I'm not that big on. I do it occasionally. It's mostly done <laughs> improperly when you see it done mm-hmm. um, out there on social media, only because it's more aggressive way of of pulling the skin. So every time you mm-hmm. pull the skin, whether it's through, you know, just touching your skin or smiling or whatnot, as we age, the elasticity of our skin tends to thin out. So if you're doing that constant pulling, it's actually going to make it worse. Um, and that's one of the things that I, you know, emphasize when I talk to my patients about doing facial gua sha. Some people do it every day. There's people out there that have done like a 20, 21 day t- challenge, which if that's your prerogative, do it, but let me give you this information first. And then you make that educated decision. Um, so typically speaking, I don't recommend gua every day. I recommend doing it once every other day and, or doing it when you need to only because, you know, you remember gua sha is a temporary effect. Mm-hmm. Um, You've probably seen the before and afters where it's, it looks very extreme, mm-hmm. but that's still a lot of pressure that you're applying to the face and your bo- face also needs time to recover just like your body. Mm-hmm. And part of the way that acupuncture works really well is that you don't get it done every day because you need those break days. Just like when you're an athlete, you need those days in between to recover, right? Mm-hmm. So the same thing with getting any type of medical treatment with acupuncture, with cupping, with facial gua sha, you want to give your body and your face a break so that it can recover. And then when you do it next time, you'll see more of an, you know, um, of a change versus doing it every day. And also, you know, risking pulling your skin, giving yourself that batiki on the face, which you don't really want. Mm-hmm. Um, your face has a really good, uh, for the most part as you age, well, for the most part in general, your face is really good about keeping proper circulation mm-hmm. versus the rest of the body. So when you think of it this way, If you ever suffer from like cold hands or cold feet, that's an indication that your circulation is not being properly circulated through chi and blood. Um, Because what happens is it also indicates that there's something else going on in your body. Because if you're getting, if your body is really healthy, you should have good blood flow. Things should stay warm and even. Whereas if you're feeling only blood flow in say the torso or the head, it means that your body's under a state of inflammation. And it's like, hey, there's more important things. I have to keep this person alive by putting blood here, here, here rather than the hands and the feet. Does that make sense? Interesting. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah. And I yeah. am one of those people. My feet are always cold. My hands are always cold. So 
Yeah. It's, it's more common in women, but mm-hmm. to be honest, it's uh, well, that's what they say in Western medicine and Eastern medicine doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It just means there's poor circulation that could be, you know, addressed. Mm-hmm. So something to think about. Yeah. yeah. I need a book a session with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be great. <laughs> we should do it. Before I let you go, can you give your best tips for somebody who is going to try gua sha at home? Like what is, what is the direction? the technique just so people are doing it in a, in a better way. Sure. So typically speaking with facial gua sha, you want to start off with clean hands, a clean face and a clean tool. You also want to use a high vibrational, high quality facial oil. That's typically cold pressed or organic because remember our dermis is the second most absorbent thing in our bodies. The first is our mouth. And so anything you put on the skin, it will absorb. So you want to start off with the highest quality ingredients that you can Secondly, the tool that you use, you want to make sure it's a tool that you feel comfortable with that's made of 100% natural stone. I know out there, if you go on Amazon and stuff, you can find like a jade, you know, mm-hmm. gua sha tool for like 20 bucks. I can guarantee you that's not jade. <laughs> Real jade is like for something like that would be over a couple thousand dollars. Um, so anytime you see pink quartz, anything like that, that's under $50, consider it counterfeit. Because what happens is when you're using fake materials, there is a time when they come when it comes off um, the factory. It's called off gassing. Have you heard about it? No. It happens in materials that are um, synthetically made. So one example of off gassing is when you smell something from, say, a new yoga mat, a new car. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you know stuff like that where it just it's fresh from the factory and yeah. it has that smell. That's actually chemicals that you're inhaling. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Um, so you know. Washa tools that are synthetic are, you know, no exception. They definitely give a little off gas. Not only that, but you're physically pressing it into your skin. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to do that. That would be no good. So I would invest in um, a high quality tool. There is one of my favorite tools is called Essentialist. It's a beautiful tool made of 100% agate. And agate, it helps. It's a neutral stone too. So applying certain stones to your face can also bring energetic qualities into that facial wash off session. So I love that. I'll, I'll send you the link for that. Um, the, yeah, the essentialist is amazing and they have a really good, um, high quality oil too. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have all the tools, you have the clean hands, a clean face, the clean, good quality tool and good quality, high quality facial oil. So next what you do is you want to put the oil and you want to actually start at the neck. So the neck is basically like the bouncer to get for you to get into the club. It is the gateway to where blood flows, blood and chi flows to the face. But if you're having neck issues, neck cramps, if it's stiff, you're not getting that much good blood coming to the face, right? You're not getting all the 100% of blood flow. And to maximize this kind of modality, you want to have as much blood flow going to the face as possible for maximum results. Mm-hmm. So uh, typically, I would put pat some oil around my neck. I would start off at the base of the neck where the hairline meets um, the neck and just start doing downward motions. Okay. I know some people like to go up on their neck, but for the back of the neck, I go down. When it's the back, think of going back, going down. When it's the front, you want to go up because you want a lifting motion. Mm -hmm. So then once you're done with that a couple times, you want to hit up the front of the neck. And this is where you have to be very careful because the neck skin is very, very delicate. Mm -hmm. It's the same amount of um, thinness as underneath the eye. So you don't want to pull. So if you have to put extra oil here, you should. And then you kind of want to just glide over gently. And I, you know, this is where it gets a little bit more tailored because Typically speaking, when you see someone doing it on online, they're not really explaining to you why they're doing it, mm-hmm. um, but there's certain reasons why you should or should not do it. Um, 
so like for example hyperthyroidism probably not a good idea to go over to glide over the thyroid so and i'm actually about to do a reel on that too so i can explain more about that but uh you know if you have certain health conditions it may not be the best thing to do mm -hmm. um thyroid cancer you don't want to do that because you're putting more blood flow to that area mm -hmm. which can help increase the cancer cells so things like that to know and then i would just start off with what i like to do when i'm first starting off is divide the face in half and just squash out one face so you see the difference. Mm -hmm. Now our faces are by nature not symmetrical, um, but the, it, you should see enough of a difference where you'll be like, oh wow, this is definitely the gua sha side. And so you start at the jaw and you wanna work your way up and I just work my way up and out. So that's a general rule of thumb is up and out. Okay. And um, you know, there's, there's so much tutorials out there. Um, what I would advise anyone that really wants to get, learn, truly learn about, themselves, especially for themselves and their face, because every face is different, is go get it done in person and go to someone that's a licensed acupuncturist. And the reason I emphasize a licensed acupuncturist versus an esthetician is because we can tell you things from a medical standpoint too that you can address, not just from a physical standpoint, mm -hmm. not just from an aesthetic standpoint. So I think there's definitely advantages to that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's a great thing. And if you guys get a chance to try it, please do. I highly encourage it. It's, it's a wonderful modality. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Where can everybody find you, reach out to you? Yeah, sure. So I'm on Instagram, as is everyone else, um, <laughs> at dr.debbie.kung, -E K-U-N-G. I also am have a website. It's K-U-N-G-A-C-U, Kung, A-C-U.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, but if you just type in my name in Google, I'm sure all those things will come up. Yeah. And you can just reach me via email. I try to respond as fast as I can if I'm not with patients during that time. So, um, yeah. And I would love to answer your questions if you guys have any, because I know it probably, um, there's a lot of material we covered, so <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be questions floating around, but yeah, this was great though. I'm so happy I got to be on here and explain these modalities. Thank you for having me, Erica. This has been so lovely. This has been a 58 Ember production. For more shows, please visit the 58 Ember channel, 58ember.com, or find us at 58 Ember Media on socials.